Hello, viewers. Once again, it's me, Nomeran, and this is my channel, It Pays to Fear God. This is where we learn about God, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and their kingdom purpose, the three most important subjects that we can ever learn about, talk about, or discuss in the entire Holy Bible, according to John chapter 17, verse 3. The subject that we are going to be learning about today is captioned, Speaking Like a Christian. However, before we get into that, we are once again going to hear a tune that some of us might actually enjoy listening to, and while that tune is playing, you can go ahead and subscribe, and also click the notification bell so that you can be the first to come when we make future videos just like this. Once again, the subject that we are going to be learning about today is captioned speaking like a Christian. And once again, I'm going to be inviting my brother to come discuss this subject. There are two billion people in this world that profess to be Christians, but how many of them speak like Christians? Today, we're going to look at several examples of things that were done right when it comes to the tongue and things that were done wrong. And we're going to look at how we can actually speak like the Christians we say we are. First, let's go into the stuff that is almost universally bad. And the first one is cursing. Cursing is, of course, when you bring some bad thing down on a person, if they do a certain thing, or even for nothing at all. For example, in Numbers chapter 22, verses 5 and 6, Israel was passing through Moabite territory on their way to Canaan, and the king of Moab, Balak, was worried about this. He was worried that they were just going to invade and destroy his kingdom. So he asked Balaam, who had a connection to God, to go curse the people for him so that they wouldn't be a threat. But of course, as verse 12 of that same chapter shows us, God was not interested in having his people cursed. We can also look at the story of Saul's curse in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 24. 
Saul was looking to win a battle, so he decided to place a curse on anyone who ate until evening. But that had some dire consequences. One, everyone was very tired because they didn't get to eat for hours. Two, when they finally did get to eat, they were so hungry that they forgot about God's law, about not eating meat with blood in it, and they ate meat that they found without draining it of the blood first. And then third, Jonathan did not hear about Saul's curse, so he ate some honey, and Saul was about to kill him before he was saved by the people. However, there are some curses that can be godly. For example, in Joshua chapter 6, verse 26, Joshua cursed anyone who rebuilt Jericho, saying that they would lose both their eldest and youngest sons in the process. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 24, that's exactly what happened hundreds of years after Joshua had said it. Now, let's go into the other sinful use of the tongue, and that is lying. Lying is, of course, not a good idea. In Acts chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Ananias and Sapphira decided to lie to the church by selling a plot of land and then telling the church that what they were giving was the full price even though they had kept some of it to themselves. Saint Peter obviously knew what they were trying to pull and they both died for their action according to verses 3 to 10 of Acts chapter 5. And of course we all know about that famous example of lying in Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Satan was obviously lying, of course. Adam and Eve would end up dying. And just like Ananias and his wife's lies had consequences, Satan's lies had consequences too, because those lies represented his rebellion. He wanted humans to rebel against God. And for this rebellion, he and all his allies will be destroyed, according to Revelation chapter 19, verses 19 to 21. However, just like with curses, there are some lies that can be to God's benefit. For example, in Genesis chapter 27, verses 19 to 24, Jacob lied to Isaac in order to be blessed by him. He wasn't Esau, but he just pretended he was Esau so that what God had said to Rebekah earlier would fulfill. Jacob needed to get the blessing rather than Esau. Now, let's move on to some uses of the tongue that are actually very beneficial. And one of them is blessing. Isaac from earlier had blessed Jacob. Jacob, in turn, had blessed Joseph's two sons in Genesis chapter 49. And Moses blessed the 12 tribes of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 33. All these blessings ended up 
fulfilling. These people ended up becoming mighty nations, and they ended up succeeding as long as they were obedient, of course. And blessing is such a good idea that we should even do it to our enemies, according to Luke chapter 6, verse 28. And then the other good thing is praise. Praise is essentially blessing God. It's saying good things about God, saying good things to God. For example, in Genesis chapter 29, verse 27, Leah praised God for being able to give birth to Judah. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 3, the whole nation of Israel praised God for what he had done with the temple. And of course, there's Acts chapter 16, verse 25, with Paul and Silas praising God. And they got out of jail. They had the opportunity, at least, but they chose to stay and uh, help the jailer reach salvation. Now, we've looked at the good and the bad, but what about the neutral? These are actions that can be good, but they can also be bad. And let's start off with prophecy. Prophecy is the most neutral because it can't actually really be that good or that bad. It's whether what's being told is good or bad. We're not talking about the kind of prophesying where people start doing weird things like what happened to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 20 to 27. No, that's completely different. We're talking about simply predicting the future. And a great example of that is Daniel. In Daniel chapter 4, verses 20 to 27, Daniel had predicted that Nebuchadnezzar would become mad someday for a very long time to teach him a lesson about humility. And in Daniel chapter 5, at the end of the chapter, Daniel read the writing on the wall. That writing was telling the king that he was going to die. And what happened? He died his, and his kingdom died and got taken over by the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. Then Daniel managed to go even further than that by predicting what the last days will be like in Daniel chapter 12. Verse 4 is a very good example of this. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. And, of course, there is that famous prophecy of Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 to 45, where Daniel managed to predict the five biggest kingdoms of the world's future. We have the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, the British, and of course, God's kingdom that would overtake all of them and is overtaking them in these last days. Next, let's go into vows. Vows are seemingly good, but we have to know how to look at the problem. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 2, everything went pretty smoothly. Uh, the children of Israel vowed to God that if you let us defeat these people, we will destroy them. We're not going to take any of these their stuff. 
were going to utterly eliminate them, and that's what they did. However, vowing can sometimes have uh, dire consequences. For example, in Judges chapter 11, verses 30 to 31, Jephthah vowed during a battle with the Ammonites that if God allowed him to defeat the Ammonites, he would sacrifice the first person who came to him to welcome him after his victory. And guess what? He had to lose his daughter because it was his only daughter who was the first to come out. Jephthah sacrificed her, according to verse 39, but many people, if they're put in that situation, if they make a vow and they realize what they might have to lose because of it, they might just forget it ever happened, which was why verses like James chapter 5 verse 12 advise us not to vow at all in case we end up breaking it if we do make it. Third is prayer. You might think, oh, prayer is awesome. Isn't it what allows us to get good things? I mean, in James chapter 5 verses 17 to 18, Elijah could control the weather. And in Psalms chapter 6 verse 9, we have a verse that says, oh, God answers prayers. He's a God of answering prayers. But no, we have to be careful because there are prayers that we can make that God won't be very interested in answering it. For example, we have to make prayers that are through Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 14, verse 14. Jesus Christ will answer prayers that are made through him only. We also can't pray lustfully, as described in James chapter 4, verse 3. God might answer our prayers if all we ask for is cars and trucks, but really, we're kind of just pushing our luck there. It's unlikely because God doesn't like that. Rather, God wants us to pray for what suits him and what will in turn suit us according to 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, like his kingdom. That's why we say the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And finally, the fourth one is preaching. Again, preaching seems like something that is only exclusively good. Like, for example, Jesus preached in Luke chapter 4, verse 44. The disciples preached in Mark chapter 6, verses 7 and 12. And the gospel's being preached all over the world right now, according to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. But there are also false prophets out there who are trying to uh, spread lies, according to Jeremiah chapter 14, verse 14, and Lamentations chapter 2, verse 14. However, God is going to deal with them. He's going to make sure that they are punished and that their message eventually dies out, according to... Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 10 to 16. He's going to rescue his sheep from their lies and their destruction. Now, as we have seen, and as James chapter 3, verses 8 to 10 show us, the tongue can be used for both good and bad. It has the power of death and life, according to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, which is why Jesus is keeping a close eye on it. He's judging the things we say according to Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, which is why it is important that we figure out how to control it. But how? 
we could simply talk less, and some verses do advise us to do that, like Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28, and Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. But obviously, we still need to talk sometime, so we have to know how to talk properly. And a simple fact is talk in a way that helps other people. That's what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 is all about. Don't talk corruptly. Talk in ways that show that you're a Christian, according to James chapter 3, verse 13. We shouldn't be lying, according to Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. That's a commandment. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. We shouldn't be making rash vows, according to Matthew chapter 5, verses 34 to 37. No. We should be the light of the world, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. We should be preaching, talking about the Bible with our friends, not swearing, just using words in a holy way. Think about all the other people from the Bible. They didn't say rash things or just insult people. No, they spoke the way God wanted them to speak. Gently, calmly, respectfully, intelligently. This is the way that we should speak if we want to use our tongues in the way that God wants us to. And I think that is where I can end on the subject, speaking like a Christian. Thank you for listening. So that, my viewers, is some information on the subject, speaking like a Christian. Many people call themselves Christians, you know, people who are soldiers for God and stuff, but anytime they want to say something in God's favor, they're always looking to the left, to the right, thinking, what are these people going to be thinking about what I'm saying, what I'm trying to prophesy, what I'm trying to teach? What if people don't like what I'm saying, the way the disciples were questioning the statements of Jesus Christ and why he was saying it to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15, verse 12, where they said, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? That kind of backlash that you have. But Jesus Christ did not care about that because of what was said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 29. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. You see, people, they want to be soldiers for God, but they feel sheepish dispensing the message. They don't really believe in the message. But we're supposed to be able to not only defend ourselves, but be proud saying what we believe. And if you read 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, our feet being shod, as I discussed in my video, the armor of God. The idea of us not only knowing what we're talking about, understanding it, but being proud to tell it to others. And not only that, but we're not supposed to be people of many words, people who talk nonsense all the time because they just keep talking and talking. We're supposed to be a few meaningful words. If we James chapter 1 verse 19, James the Apostle had stated, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. To conclude this episode, we are once again going to hear a tune that some of us might enjoy.
Hope you enjoyed this video. Hope you learned something most importantly. Please drop the subscribe, share this video, and click the notification bell to be notified when we make future uploads just like this. Thank you for listening. Oh, one more thing. If you like what you heard today, feel free to share a message at https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Once again, that's https colon double slash anchor.fm slash it pays to fear God slash message. Hope to hear your wonderful feedback.